Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Two hours of fun, excitement, entertainment, and a happy Giving Tuesday to you. It feels like every day is a giving day for me. Why are you laughing, James? Don't be rude. No, because I couldn't agree more with you. Give, give, give. Today I'm flying... With just one ear in the headphones today, the other ear flapping in the wind. Don't know why. Close the airplane door. <laughs> Welcome to the program, my friends. Today, boy, we got a show for you. We're going to be talking about life, extracurricular activities. Is it possible that you're overprogramming your kids and you're destroying them? Or is it possible that all of these extracurricular activities are making your child the type of child person he needs to be as an adult. Wouldn't that be great to think? All of these things we do. Isn't that why people do it? I don't think so. Okay. I think it's because they feel or is it to weird get the kids out of the house? Not, yeah. <laughs> okay. They don't like their kids. They don't want them to be home, so <laughs> you're going to play ball. Yeah. Now, some people probably do that. <laughs> we don't do that. No. But like the broken people do. I've asked my kids if they want to play sports, and only recently has any have any of my kids – it have had a desire to play sports outside. Really? Yeah, uh, my kids want to be competitive eaters. <laughs> I have all girls, so none of them yeah, are actually doing not that. Into that. Yeah, although there are girls who are competitive oh, eaters. Please, are I you know. kidding? I know they're expensive dates. That's true. <laughs> Nothing harder to take out on a date than a competitive eater. You know what I mean? Then everything's a competition. Yeah, but then I, 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 can you keep up with them though? No, I can't. There's some things you don't want to compete on. Of course, I'm just glad I don't have to date anymore. Yeah, I yeah. No, good point. Yes. <laughs> Your wife would be so furious. She would be so mad, yes. So we're going to talk about extracurricular activities and uh we're going to also talk about, you know, how to how do you train up your kids? Is that the right word? That sounds weird, but <laughs> how to teach your kids they you know, eventually they're going to grow up. That's what they say. I'm they, praying. They say Eventually, they do. I have a daughter that got married a while ago. How long? A year and year ago, year and a half ago. I'm telling you, she's a grown up. I, I think my daughters will probably gang up on me, and all four of them will get married at the same time. Oh, that would be hilarious! You'd take out a loan. No, I wouldn't have. No, you wouldn't. Come on, I'd have to take out the life insurance in order to pay for it. See, that's that's tough. And, and the thing is, you know, by the time they're getting married, it's pretty much over. For you. Yep. I mean, there's no more you can do. Then you hand them over. It can be over? Yeah. No. Well, it's never really (laughs) over. But as far as your chance to, you know, make huge changes in their lives, you know. Oh, yeah. You can no longer take the car away. I could see. Yeah, that's true. Nothing makes a fight more between a husband and wife than when when their parents take their vehicle Your wife's car away because she didn't call. (laughs) We had fun, fun, fun until daddy took the T-bird away. Yep. How come you always have a song? You have a song for everything, Sean. I do. Sean Leroy O'Neill. <laughs> Leroy? <laughs> Sean Leroy that, that, O'Neill. That's the funny thing. Because for slow. I don't, pl- I don't, 
<laughs> <don't>. <laughs> That's weird. What your middle name is Leroy? No, it's not. Okay. Are you sure? I'm dead sure. What's your middle name? Michael. Uh, not even close. Smo. Smo. Slow is better than smoke. Sorry. I guess I wasn't around. Tell my parents. Um, so uh, the deal, last night, left here late. Okay, yeah. You were going to a football game, weren't you? Basketball game. Basketball, okay. My son signed up, made the team, tried out for a team. Cool. You know, it's one of those things where you just sign the list because everyone else was signing the list. Okay. And then, but there were tryouts, weren't yeah, there? Yeah, there were tryouts for like a week. And then he kept making it. We were like, hey, we're praying. Like, let's hope this kid makes it. Okay. And then he made it. And we and were then, like, wow. Then you have to travel. Well, we didn't know. Then we went to the parents' meeting and they laid it out and just said, okay, so um, I hope you've got nothing else going on in your life <laughs> because here we go. Your child has now made the team. I guess it's like. This it's, is a school-associated team, yeah, though, right? it's a high school feeder kind of team. But the mm-hmm. kids, uh, the kid's in seventh grade. Oh, okay. He's in sixth grade. So we're not feeding high school teams yet. Okay. The neat thing, though, it's, I'm actually very excited for him. He gets to play uh, three games a week and two practices. Ooh. Isn't that great? That's awesome. The, the great thing is he gets to play pretty much in two counties— uh, but really far away from each other. Oh, yeah. What are they I, I have a 40 minute commute to get here to BYU. Right. And two of his games a week will be in Utah County, which is right, right next, where I am. Right here. Yeah. So it's great for me because I'll just, you know, drive to the next city. Sure. Saturdays, we go watch him play in Salt Lake County and it's all over the place too. <laughs> and you know, it's great. He's one of our six children. Yeah. So we have four other children playing basketball. Ah, Now, that's why we wanted today's guest. Dr. Benjamin Gibbs is going to talk about these extracurricular activities Mm because I have a feeling this is a bad idea. We'll have to see. We'll see. I bet he – I'm thinking he might say it's a good idea. I think you're right. I thought it was a good idea. Now, just because you think it's a bad idea. Yeah. I think – but I have four more kids. So is it a good idea for all of the – I guess it's a good idea for all the kids, just not the parents. I'm kind of doing the same thing now – I have a daughter who's in student government at yeah. her school. And student government in her school is comprised of setting up for dances, setting up for activities, and attending all the sports activities at the school. Hmm. Yikes. She doesn't drive. Yeah. But you do. Oh, yeah. See, that's what So does my wife. For. Yeah. I was up uh, with my son who's on a – uh, leadership, what do they call him? Student body officer. Are we just complaining here that we have to get I don't our kids know. I was up. I was up till 2.30 with him uh, two nights ago. And that's why I'm tired. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I thought it was the workout I almost did. <laughs> nope. Just thinking about the workout? I was thinking about it for a long I time. feel like these extracurricular activities almost are the parents' extracurricular activities as well. It feels like that. Welcome to the jungle, James. But you know what's great yeah. about it? Uh, you never get a trophy. That's true. Nope. Nope. They get all the trophies. No, you just get the gas bill. Yeah. We love our kids. We do. Don't get us wrong. That's true. It's just maybe we're doing this wrong. But so Dr. Benjamin Gibbs, he's going to walk us through that. I'm going to bet, too, that he's going to say this is a really good idea. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Julie Nelson, the child whisperer, she'll be with us That's a little true. bit later. She's going to teach us how to whisper to our children and while they're just barely going to sleep. And no, how, while they're getting into college, actually. Oh, oh, she's going to teach us what they need to know before we send them to college. Kind of. Well, helping them separate. From yeah. mom and dad. Yeah. 
Well, one thing, your daughter's going to have to get a driver's license. Uh, one of these days, yeah. And I don't want to. I'm not your. I'm not parenting your children. Yeah, sure, you're not. <laughs> but it just seems like you know she is 20. So no, she's 16. She's, she's 16. Um, so we'll be talking about that. Tons of good stuff. But we also have Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday. It's an incredible day today. Um, this follows, of course, Gray Thursday and then Black so, Black Friday and Small Business Saturday. Yeah, Sacrilegious Sunday. There you go. And then Cyber Monday. Yeah. Uh, but no, today is give, all, you know, giddiness aside, Giving Tuesday is actually – it was founded back in 2012 mm-hmm. by the New York 92nd Street Y. Y. And YMCA. Yeah. And they partnered with the United Nations Foundation – and together, they had a team of influencers, and they've made this global movement that has 10,000 organizations worldwide gathered together to that you can give to. What, how many? 2,000? 10,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. See, look at how noble that is. They gathered, the UN gathered nationwide, worldwide, mm-hmm. 10,000. That's different than Cyber Cyber Friday. No, it's called Cyber Monday. Yes. Or uh, Black Friday. It's very different. Because what? Walmart and all the – Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. There's much more paper yeah. generated on those but days. I'm afraid now that it's Tuesday and we've gone through all those other days, nobody has any it more It is money. a little late, yeah. But you can go to givingtuesday.org and find an organization there, any of the 10,000 organizations. And if you would like to give to them, you can do so right That's there. That's great. Plus, any other contributors that want to contribute to the James Birdsall Marriage Fund. Oh, we're trying to are gather we, enough we, money to get a ring uh, uh, for Monica. Around the Rosie? No, just uh, he hasn't – this isn't firm. Right, James? <laughs> or confirmed. Yeah. I'm just I'm – I can't speak for James. But, but we are accepting donations. Let's just we say. are accepting <laughs> donations. Or if you are a jeweler, we're accepting in-kind trade. There you go. <laughs> James will run your radio show for Malia. Yeah. <laughs> James and Malia have been dating for how long, James? Uh, four months uh, next week. Mm. Uh-huh. You got time. Yeah. yeah. Not plenty of time. But because we're talking about extracurricular so activities. Is this, is this like a Kickstarter that we're yeah, doing? Yeah, we're doing a Kickstarter <laughs> for a ring for Malia. And we're doing this because she is his dominant extracurricular activity. Well, that's true. Yes. And we want to raise enough money to, to get him married in a nice way. You know, get them and a it really, start, starts you know. with a ring? Yeah. Okay. Have you not heard the song? If you like it, you better put a ring on it. Is that how it goes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Beyonce. <laughs> Words of wisdom from yeah. Beyonce. So just give us a call, one eight five five chat byu <laughs> Ask for James. Birdsall Fund. <laughs> Interestingly, uh, she did lose a finger, though. Was it her ring finger? No, luckily no. It was good. It's just two of her other fingers. Good. So I mean, that's good. Yeah. If you had to lose, lose a finger, you yeah. don't lose your ring finger. Right there you go. Getting married. Yeah. Anyway, good luck to James and Malia. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, Dr. Ben Gibbs will be here from Brigham Young University Department of Sociology. He's going to be talking to us about extracurricular activities. Are you piling it on too deep with your kids? Are they actually, you know, learning anything from all of these? These activities they're involved in. It's a new study he just published. We're going to get into it deep. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. <laughs> Why does James give me the stink eye? Did you see I don't that? Know. No, I did not see it. I'm sorry. James. Come on, man. He's hoping you hate the song, I think. I like this song. Holy cow, I found some good songs yesterday. Uh-huh. Great songs. I'm going to... I don't know what our music selections are today. I try not to look because... It, I know you don't. I get a little depressed ahead of time. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but music is important to me. No. It is. It changes me. Okay. I, when I get up in the morning, one of the first things I do after, of course, my ab workout and mm-hmm. my... um Suzanne still Summers? Workout. Yeah. I'm the only guy still using the Suzanne Summers abs and buns of steel workout. The Thigh Master? Mm-hmm. Oh. By the way, uh, is your Thigh Master supposed to smoke? <laughs> I don't know. Because I get mine going so fast. It's you should, smoking. You should, you should put some oil on that, I think. <laughs> I was going to start oiling it. <laughs> He's probably squeaking. Too. I smell, smell oil burning. <laughs> no, babe. Just my Thigh Master. Oh, the Thigh Master. Got such a bum rap. You know what I mean? That it did. But I'm telling you, you know how many, you know, lives, that, how many NFL athletes that saved, kept them in the game? <laughs> no. Would you love to just see, like, you go to the NFL, you know, the, the Redskins locker room, and they've all got these thigh masters. <laughs> <laughs> thigh masters, uh, health riders. Mm. Oh, there you the, go. All this equipment that mm-hmm. nobody's And they're all watching ever. Richard Simmons videos. <laughs> I don't think it's happening. Um, anyway, uh, we were talking about something, and I and James gave me just the stinkiest of stink eyes. Okay. I don't know why, James. Do you want to answer that? I mean, like, I just am bringing the show back from a break, and you looked at me like, what? You still here? I just was hoping you liked the music. Okay. I All right. That, that's I, it. I, I like yeah. it. Okay. Oh, great. Good. Can I just suggest next time you don't like wince and twitch? <laughs> wince and twitch. That's your new that's your new nickname. <laughs> hey, um, today on the show we're talking about extracurricular activities, all these different things we do, and mainly for our kids, but our kids we we pile it deep. Mm, oh, some people do. Yeah. Majorly. Oh. They 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 think they have to schedule their kids every minute of every day. It's horrible. What happened to the kid that could just watch TV? Get off my back. I don't want to go. I want Gilligan's Island. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I used to love Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Me but see, too. Well, the difference was when I was growing up, I would watch Gilligan's Island, and then I would get ready for my football practice. Oh, okay. I'd put my pads on. I knew when I had to leave because it was after the last commercial. Mm-hmm. And I'd get on my bike with my helmet, and I would ride to football practice. So that was the thing. I, I would just go out. I didn't go to football practice, but I'd go out and ride my bike with my yeah. friends. Oh, yeah. A lot of kids got outside. Back we had in all the day. sorts of places that we would go ride see, miles away from see, the house, and it was just fun. That's the weird thing, though. See, back then, it's almost like the parents didn't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just like go, go play. Hey, go play in the street. Yeah, I used to in a rainstorm. I would ride the gutters. Me too. Down the streets of yes. Salt Lake until we got to the Great Salt Lake. There you go. And then we'd hose off and run all the way back mm-hmm. up the mountain. I mean, that's a slight exaggeration. Slight. Because, I don't know, that's probably 45, 50 miles. <laughs> but, um, but we would it do that. And nobody seemed to care. that Hey, there's kids in the gutter. They are having fun, those little whippersnappers. And they just drive by in their car in the middle of rain. I hey. actually saw a, a, a kind of an interesting news story going through uh, internets today. Yeah, interweb. Whatever. Yeah. 
But there are people you, – you know how you, you have an app on your phone that will draw a map of oh, yeah. where you've done your, work, oh, yeah. your workout? I just used it. There was a guy who did a 52-mile uh, bike ride. Yeah. And he purposely went in and uh, <laughs> he drew a turkey on his map. Is what he did. He drew a Thanksgiving turkey, complete with a pilgrim's hat and everything. <laughs> as he drew, as he rode around, oh, man. on his bike, he did fifty two miles, and it ended up being a, tur- a picture of a turkey. He's bored. I'm sorry. That's I a think lot it's of work. Funny. And he's not the only one. I would have drawn a triangle <laughs> or a rectangle. Just, a nice. You rectangle. just go for simple shapes, yeah. right? You don't need to overdo it. Um, and forget the hexagons. That's yeah. just too much work. What are you thinking? Uh, so today we've been talking. We're going to talk about these extracurricular things. But there are 10 things. I was reading. Um, have you ever heard of Huffington Post? I have. Pretty popular. Uh, major news blog. Huffington Post has a section called Life Lessons. And in that section, Mommy Nearest wrote it. Really? It's a, it's a mobile community for parents. Okay. 10 things I want my child to learn by age 10. I have a 10-year-old. Do you? I, I, I have a nine-year-old. Okay. And we both have James. True. Because we found him on the front doorstep of the BYU Broadcasting Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, these are 10 things I'd like you to learn before you're 10. Okay. Or in your case, 30. Okay. Okay. So three decades. Numero later. uno. You need to be a good friend. You got to learn to be a good friend. Uh. And so I have a feeling that uh, our good doctor, Ben Gibbs, is going to teach us that one of the key ways to make sure our child... Uh, you know, knows how to be a good friend is going to be some of their extracurricular activities. I would hope so. I've noticed since Maddie left and found a job, yes. James has been despondent and sad. I haven't noticed that at all because he's got Molly. That's true. I think her name's Monica. Okay. Uh, Mildred? No. The, Malala? No, it's Malala. Uh, but you got to be a good friend, James. And... Um, we're going to teach how to do that. Okay. I have a feeling if you just listen to the show long enough and hang out with us. You'll learn how. You'll be well on your way. Two, you got to stand up for yourself. That's something everybody needs to learn. That's an important lesson for yeah. kids. Like, wouldn't it be great? Like, my, we make our kids, if they have a problem with the coaches or whatever, you got to go talk to the coach. You mm-hmm. go talk. Yes, exactly. You go do it. I'm not if, talking for you. Exactly. You, you have to be able to provide for yourself in some way. Yeah. Or you're dead. Exactly. Right. You got to stand up for yourself. Here's one. You got to stand up for others. That's good. So when you see injustice, we stand up for others. Mm-hmm. What if we could get our kids used to doing that? This is a great article. No kidding. Uh, life lessons from Huffington Post. Ten things you want your kids to know before the age of ten. Numero cuatro. You got to develop your own voice. Uh, voice lessons Singing? apparently are important to their list. <laughs> no, because you got to know. You got to. You got to hear what your voice is like, so you can hear it in a room and know how to use it. Okay. Not singing, but like you got to know how to voice your concerns. Make yourself heard. Make your opinions out there. Okay. Put your opinions out there. Uh, I noticed James doesn't use his voice. That's because he he's, his eyes. Have he's, you the, he's the board op, yeah. not the host. True that. That's a great point. Uh, <laughs> but he uses his eyes to try to influence me, not his mouth. Yes. He gives you the stink eye. Yeah. Okay. And he like winces like, what the? Are you going to go or what? <laughs> And it works. That's what his eyes sound like. You got to teach your kids to be bold. You know, not too bold. (laughs) I'll shut that down. (laughs) Well, not bold in in the way of disobeying your parents. But But bold to overcome your fear. Yes, definitely. And then that'll bring your voice in, if you dare. To be her own style icon. 
You don't need. Oh, I like that. You don't I need like Nicki that. Minaj to tell you how to dress. Exactly. Tell that to James. Yeah, no kidding. She's that guy loves me, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Is her name Nikki or Mickey? Nikki, 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 Nikki yeah. Minaj. Um, but too many of us are following Hollywood for our values, and honestly, it's maybe not where they are. Or uh, Madison. Mm-hmm. That's marketing. What would the what's the fashion area? Paris, mm-hmm. Paris, yeah, Paris, Milan, Milan, something like that. You got to teach your kids to be kind to animals. Yes, one of the best ways to teach them that is to get them an animal. That, yeah, and then if they blow it, and you know, one animal they can't take care of, get them a snake. That's why you go with fish to start with. Nah, if you really want them to learn, get them a big snake. <laughs> <laughs> big snake. You can't make mistakes. You got to stay focused. Nice boa. You start with the small animals because if the kids ain't taking care of it, then the parents got to take care. Who's of it. the doctor here? Seems like you I are. am. Um, talking from experience. A good point. Yeah, we we've never we've killed hermit crabs. We've killed birds. Mm-hmm. Not we've never killed them. That sounds bad. We've neglected. They've died in your home. <laughs> And with the, our birds lived for years. Yes. We got them at a wedding, by the way. Don't give really? birds away at a wedding. No. Yeah. Actually, no. It just landed on our table. We, it was an outdoor wedding. I see. The bird landed on our table. My kids are like, can I have it? And we're like, sure, whatever. Mine. Mine. Take, mine. Take it to the car. <laughs> Here, put this bucket in. Put it in the bucket and put the lid on. Uh, we got to teach our kids to keep trying. Definitely. You got to keep trying. Got to have some gumption. Don't give up. To dream big and to work hard. Oh, That's actually I like two that. In one. That was a twofer. But you teach them to dream big. Hey, if you want to, you know, play football, NFL, let's go. Dream big. You got to hit it hard then. Yeah. And last but not least, to find joy in each day. Oh, that's a good lesson. I think these are great lessons. And, you know, that's all we wanted, really, for James. When I think of it, when I, th- when I saw James and... In remember, the basket in the remember, rain. And we wiped the dew off his forehead. Mm-hmm. I thought, this kid's got to learn a bunch of stuff. Now we're trying to do that. <sighs> We love you, James. Today's kind of beat up James Day. We love you, man. I think it's because you start with stink eye. It's all down here. <laughs> You're now mine, James. You're mine. Anyway, we are going to take a break. Dr. Benjamin Gibbs uh, from the BYU Department of Sociology will be joining us. He has done some uh, recent research on extracurricular activities and what they're learning from all of these things we are doing with our kids. Is it too much, too little? What do we need to be focusing on when it comes to your kids and their sports, their day-to-day extracurricular activities? We're talking about it. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, great music choice. Put me in, coach. That's John Fogarty. Did you know that, James? Nope. It's on the paper. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh. Put me in, coach, because we sit there and we think, if I just had my kids in baseball, they're going to be a success. I have clients that think, you know, they're, they're sure their child's going to make it pro. I have a pretty good feeling. Statistically, they won't. Mm. You don't want to tell them that because they get so mad at you. Hey, in the studio with us is Dr. Ben Gibbs. He is a professor of sociology here at Brigham Young University at the Department of Sociology. 
And uh, he's a, a daddy of three daughters. Oh, four now. Four. Bing, 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 bing. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Since the last time we had you here, another daughter. Yeah, don't have me again. I don't want to we, have fun. Uh, we'd like you back in about, I don't know, 10 months. <laughs> Can you put it on your schedule? No. Um, but Ben's got some really cool stuff. He's he, He's been working an angle that I think is really important because sometimes we think, and I do it, our, we do it, everyone in our neighborhood does it. We have all these super leaguer kids. They're super leaguers. They're not like average league. They're super. Mm. And so we spend all of this energy trying to get them on the best teams in the best you know leagues and the best everything, running them all over. And by the way, we do the same thing with their grades. We mm-hmm. get them in all of the clubs. We get we make sure they get their good grade point average. I mean, my kid will bring home a 3-5, and we're all like, are you, what? <laughs> what is your deal? And then like, Dad, what was your grade point average? And then I got to just punch him. Yeah. Isn't that sad? Because <laughs> it's not about me. But here's what we wanted to know from Ben. Ben, as we think about all of these extracurricular activities, you did, you've done the study on it. So you know, mm-hmm. is it – are we killing ourselves? Are we focusing on the right thing? Is it about you know volume, quantity, getting them in the right teams? Is that what forges this character or what? What have you learned? Well, first of all, they matter. So I think all our concern and interest in extracurricular activities is warranted. But why they matter – I think is sometimes unclear. Yeah. Uh, what we do know is that parents with resources, middle class parents, upper class parents, this is kind of what they're all about. And <laughs> this is what they do. And we have to start wondering whenever middle class parents or, or parents with resources do a certain thing, we have to wonder what do they know? <laughs> and uh, as researchers, we've, we, we've kind of not always understood why extracurricular activities matter. Uh, part of the argument is uh, it really helps maybe prevent a kid from doing other things. Yeah, because it – yeah, right. <laughs> because they can't do drugs if That's right. they've got to go run track five days a There's week. There's something about the structure that, that just organizes a kid's time that, that it's probably a good thing for a kid to be doing is uh, doing something at least productive with right. their uh, leisure time. Um, but these activities, whether it be uh, football, uh, uh, chess, um, honor society, uh, you name it in high school – um, it, it may be less about the actual thing you're doing. And that's actually, I think, kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. You would imagine like competitive sports. Well, you need to be a competitive person. Right. Right. It's going to teach you how to compete yeah. in life. The world's full of competition. Yeah. There's nothing better than being out there and learning how to fail, learning how to win, learning how to work as a team. I think, yeah, I think all those things are probably important, but we just really don't know how important they are. Uh, another argument could be, well, this is what colleges look at. So I don't know why your kids are in extra clicker activities, but a lot of parents feel as though this will give them a leg up in going yeah. to college. Our kids are court, uh, they're court ordered. <laughs> right. It's weird. So community service, yeah. is that what you're saying? It's community. But you know what? Because let me tell you why. Uh, so I have a son on an LDS mission in Mexico, but he needs to start school in college in June. Okay. We were we had to fill out as his parents his college application because he's he can't do it while he's yeah. on this LDS mission. So as I'm feel, as I'm filling this thing out, interestingly, they want to know every extracurricular activity, right. and you can tell that they're weighted uh-huh. and they're in categories. And I'm marking all of them, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh he didn't do any of those. <laughs> oh man, can we do this over? I know. So yeah. in my head, I'm thinking we failed him. We yeah. should have forced his hand. So right. maybe that's some of We just think it's the best shot of getting into Harvard or yeah. Brigham Young. I, I mean, 
it can give your kid an edge and yeah. maybe we there's think. something they notice and say, oh, well, look at this kid. that They're so uh, diverse in their interests. They've got uh, – they're doing interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of those arguments have weight. But uh, I worked on this a couple of years ago with a student and we started having the, se- the, the sneaky suspicion that maybe it's not exactly about what you're doing, right. what you're learning, or what colleges recognize. Maybe it's something else entirely. And so what we began to, to realize is part of it is who you're hanging out with. Ooh. And that's just different yeah. than how we typically it's think about you, it. you marry who you hang out with. That's, <laughs> that's what my right. grandma used to say. But that's interesting. So it's, it may not be the activities, but you're finding out it's, it's, that it's who you're with all the time. Right. And so start asking the question – what kids are, are doing certain activities? Uh, what are their likelihood of going to college? Yeah. What are their parents' educational expectations for these kids? Uh, think about – you know, you had this list of 10 things yeah. you just talked yeah. about. Um, imagine hanging around kids that also have that list of 10 things they've shared accomplished. Shared values, yeah. Yeah, shared values help uh, reinforce. I, I think the way to think about it is if you're hanging out with kids on the tennis team and everyone's going to college – then you don't make a decision about college. Oh, it's just automatic. It, it, it's, not a, it's not a question of are you going to college. It's like where are you going to college? It's true. It's and, totally true. And, and nothing's more powerful than peers who all have a shared yeah. pro-social goal yeah. of college rather than like you're saying, a parent that has this court-ordered, <laughs> you must do this. Mandated. Uh, it, it just resonates differently. And I, and I think there's a powerful kind of informal influence happening in extra clicker activities we don't think much about. Well, but about. that makes so much more sense that it's like it, – but it's funny because we get hung up on the activity. Like yeah. you've got to be there on time. Yeah. Or and why don't you play? You've got to ask the coach for more playing time. Right. But in reality, those may not be the key lessons as yeah. much – or the, the key drivers, I guess, for future success as are your buddies there? Are, are, because I guess too, once the sporting event's over, that your but they all go hang out together. Yeah. Then it's not right. about a sporting event anymore. That's right. And so you have to ask, you know, who are these kids? Yeah. And um, our approach, uh, I haven't talked about the data yet, but I, I will in a minute. But our approach generally is to say, stop thinking about the benefits of EA or extra clicker activities uh, based on its title. Hmm. So I, I don't know what activities you had in your yeah. high school, but – and I'm just going to pretend like this was a cool thing to do. Yeah. I was in marching band. That's hot. Oh, okay. Totally Thank you. Hot. Yeah. Um, marching <laughs> tuba. band. Were you the tuba guy? Uh, close. Trombone, baritone. Okay. Yeah, I changed it up. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, man. obviously that was the the coolest thing to be doing <laughs> in my that high school. That was? I mean, that's cool. But every high school is different, right? right? And so um, where these high-achieving kids congregate could be different in each school. That's and yet true. when we think about this question, we're just saying, you know what? I think my kid needs to be on newspaper or mm-hmm. I think my kid needs to be on this. That's a, a generic way to think about it. But um, we like the context- contextual approach that each school has its own kind of activity yeah. where these high achieving kids congregate and no two schools are the same. Does it matter? I mean, uh, are there high achieving kids in, you know, dispersed throughout all of them? And so in, inside of any group, uh, the, the football team, right. it seems like there's probably a, some conglomeration <laughs> yeah. of high achievers. Right. And, and each school is a little bit different. Yeah. So um, I can tell you from a national perspective, we're using this national data okay. that looks at 80 different schools in the United States. Wow. And what's amazing about this data is it doesn't take a, a sample of everybody in each of those 80 schools. It takes a census. 
All of them. Everybody in each school knows all of the kids in that school who attended school that day. Um, and so what you can do is start constructing oh, interesting. what clubs yeah. kids are in, in one school, and then you can get a roster of all the kids in a certain EA or extracurricular activity and know the GPA of the kids in that club. Oh, how interesting. And so what we find is what you'd suspect is that tennis, honor society, and so on are kind of on the top of mm-hmm. where all the high achievers are. And I sad to say football and wrestling <laughs> or maybe more in the yeah. end. Future Farmers of America. Yeah. And the know, Cannabis Club. Those are all down at <laughs> that, the bottom. That's a newer club. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have that typical distribution. Yeah. And that's a national average. But if you look in each individual school, you'll find that the, the, the rosters are a little bit yeah. different. Uh, and you, but this is all measured by GPA. So high achievers would be seen as GPA, high higher GPA. GPA. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's one way to do yeah. it. The, the way we originally tried to do it was based on the educational level, level of the parents. Huh. We thought that was kind of a yeah. cooler way to think about it. But in reality, it, you're better just going directly for um, the level of achievement that um, we think probably matters for developing a positive yeah. pro-social culture in, in, a, in a club. Is it um, – so when you think about these teens and their EA, their extracurricular activity, it's I guess in the end um, – there are certain high achievers in – I mean it really is. It's kind of a – there's a tiered system. It's a, stra, it's a strata. It's a yeah. – Well, what is clear is those who don't participate in any extra clerk activities, um, they have very different outcomes. Do they? And um, the GPA of students who don't participate at all is much lower than someone who does. Oh, see, so that's so sad because – You're kind of missing the boat. That's right. And if, that could be involved. a parent maybe pushing that a little earlier or finding friends or getting them involved or that might help. Yeah. I, I think the, the general storyline I think of with this project is extra quicker activities matter. Um, being involved in any improves the likelihood of attending college. But uh, if you move the GPA – GPA up one unit. So like the GPA of one group is 2.5 and if you move it up to 3.5, yeah. which actually that's a big that's a huge <laughs> shift movement. in the needle, yeah. you're two times more likely to go uh, to college yeah. um, in, in that environment versus another environment controlling for your own GPA, your best friend's GPA, your family background, oh, yeah. everything else you can think about. There's something about these environments, I think, that oh, helps I motivate kids. I totally saw it in my own life. My parents didn't go to college. But all my friends' parents did, mm-hmm. and all my friends were on the honor roll, and I'm like, what's the big deal? Right. I, I get to talk to all the ladies while you're all in honor classes. <laughs> but um, look where it got me. Uh, but in the end, it, I mean, it made a difference because I didn't – like you said, I didn't have it. I didn't, didn't make, make a, a decision. decision. Actually, I had somebody make it for me. I had a leader that was in my church group looked at me, and I'm like, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I can do college. Right. And he looked at me like, of course you're going to college. And right. right then I'm like, okay, let's do the college thing. How <laughs> yeah. hard could that be? Oh, that's awesome. We're talking with Dr. Ben Gibbs about uh, extracurricular activities and the impact they have on your children. And really what I guess we're learning is it probably has a lot more to do with who they're hanging out with, their friends, those uh, people that they're associating with. Are they ready to go to college? Are they gearing up for college? Big indicator for uh, how successful our children might, uh, at least academically, um, how it might set them up. This is an interesting topic. When we come back, more from Dr. Ben Gibbs right here from the Department of Sociology at Brigham Young University. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody. The basketball game is starting. This is the song at every basketball game. Come on, Jazz! Gotta listen to it. Hey! Welcome back, friends. So, extracurricular activities. If your kids are playing high school ball and you get to sing this song at their pregame, does it increase the likelihood they'll go to college? According to our expert, Dr. Ben Gibbs, not necessarily. Doesn't mean they won't. It depends on the high school. But it may be a better indicator as to who your kids are hanging out with on these teams, all these extracurricular activities. Who are they hanging out with? Uh, That's probably the best indicator of whether they'll go to college or not. Not if you're just a rich, you know, you know, contributor to some university. Mm. If you're in the the major, you know, student, what's it called? The uh, I was going to name a name, a donor club to a university. Uh-huh. That doesn't probably that doesn't necessarily increase the likelihood. It will increase the likelihood they'll get in. Yeah, if you're a legacy applicant. Um, I mean, there's a lot of factors to getting into college, but. You know, so the, the black box, I think, for social scientists is knowing exactly uh, who matters at what point in your life. Yeah. Uh, uh, how do parents matter? When do they matter? There's a big debate, parents versus peers. Maybe there's studies that came out decades ago that said basically parents don't matter at all. <laughs> Maybe it's all your peers. I think my kid read that study. <laughs> right. He's been quoting it for years. <laughs> Living by it. Um, so there's big debates about uh, how kids move on up. Yeah. Um, in terms of going to college, that critical transition, it's very difficult. It's fraught with a whole lot of complexity for the application process you yourself oh, are talking about. It's the hardest that. thing I've ever done. Um, it takes some real skill and resource to um, actually help a child make this transition. But nothing, I think, helps more than a child that says, this is what I'm doing. I want to do this, Dad. Right. Because yeah. once they face, I think, the obstacles of college, totally college admission um, – it's not for the faint in heart, right? No. Well, and they'll need it just to get through the registrar's office for the next four years. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a crazy bureaucracy. Yeah. And the ability to navigate it is uh, one that um, you have to be surrounded by resources. And in this case, you have to be surrounded by a whole bunch of peers who are doing the same thing, who want what you want yeah. and plan to go where you plan to go. So should – I guess parents, if they're out there listening, they're sitting there thinking, what do I – which group do I choose? How do I know yeah. which extracurricular activity I should direct my kids to? Right. And that's – how do you know? I guess you just um, – Well, I, I think the first thing to think about is the bigger problem is you can't really pick your kids' friends. No. Right? You've tried. And, and uh, whether, you think, whether you're thinking about parents who worry about this or principals, teachers, administrators thinking about this, there are peer groups in schools – that are going to form regardless of the classes yeah. you take or the clubs you're in. Um, so th- that aspect of peer socialization is not something you can easily control. And in terms of the classes you take, it depends what high school you're in. A lot of these are required courses. You can't really pick your classes right. and, and therefore you can't really pick the associations you have. So really um, all those things could matter, of course. But one thing that parents and administrators and and, uh, students themselves have some discretion in is what clubs they join. And so it's a really interesting middle ground between the the rigid structures of course taking and the very informal structures of peer groups. It kind of combines those two informal and formal processes. But but they're within the grasp of a school in terms of what – 
kind of clubs or activities they promote. It's within the grasp of parents to help a child negotiate which clubs or activities are right for them. So I, I think first recognizing that these clubs have a role to play mm -hmm. in a child's development in ways we don't typically think about. Now, in the, in the 60s and 70s, they were often worried that these kind of clubs would create a counterculture. The adolescent yeah. society was born in these clubs that were anti-school. Yeah. Um, but th things have turned around that these are actually the vehicles for kids to associate with other advantaged kids who are actually pro-school. Interesting. And, and they become recognized uh, activities that have a, a kind of brand yeah. for colleges. Um, I mean, what if you did the kinds of things like chess club, but you just did it at home? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing the kinds of things you do in it's a club. It's the exact same thing. It, it doesn't have the same uh -uh. kind of payout when you apply for school. So recognizing that EAs matter, extracurricular activities matter in that way, I think elevates, um, I, I think, I don't know, research on this topic. Yeah. It's not just a, a throwaway kind of issue. Well, and it doesn't have to be, I guess, um, like I see, I had one child and they all chose different groups, different activities. Yeah. And another, the next one chose completely different. And then, I mean, right. so what's neat is there's enough groups to go around. Yeah. And, you know, I guess if you're doing two or three of them, does the number matter? How many, yeah. how many groups, activities, clubs, extracurricular things do we need? <laughs> right. Uh, you need 50. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so my kids are halfway there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, no, we don't. We don't find that the number really matters. So, there's three things that matter, and okay. three things I think parents should look for. Um, uh, number one, any extra clicker activity matters. Yep. So, if your kid's not involved, I think there's some benefit to being involved, um, either developmentally because of what you learn in a club, or just who you're hanging out with. I think there's something about the structure of clubs that just matter. Um, so, just any kind of club matters. Two, the number of clubs we don't see any relationship to. The difference between one club and yeah. five clubs. Right. Because I mean, um, if that was the case, some clubs you can just join. Yeah. And, and there's actually some concern that you can overschedule, hyperschedule oh, your kids. Totally. And to the point where they just burn out. I mean – And then they're just in the mental health club. Yeah. Well, you have and to, all they do is need help. You have to wonder how many kids are like, um, you know, I can't do my homework because I'm doing swimming and I'm doing yeah. uh, that really cool thing called marching band. <laughs> That's right. That the most totally popular hot. kids are doing. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think parents might worry about like, well, how much is enough to really help my child? Yeah. Um, now I haven't seen anything that suggests that five burns you out or something like that. But um, for a parent that's running back and forth with a lot yeah. of kids, um, I think there's some worry there. So that's the second um, is one club's enough. Um, uh, actually, is that my, is my list working here? Uh, maybe that's number one. Um, number two is <laughs> any extracurricular activity matters. Any extracurricular activity, but one's enough. Yeah. Number two, academic. There is an added boost to being in academic related clubs. Um, of course, honor society matters, um, but uh, student leadership um, mm -hmm. uh, matters as well. So, uh, clubs that have an academic focus will help them. I think actually with the developmental skills that could matter for college, yeah. especially if they're on debate team. And maybe the reason why we see higher levels of enrollment is because colleges also recognize that as a more um, uh, uh, important skill that translates to the, the, the college experience. And then third and, and last, and this is uh, the most important, uh, in the, at least in terms of what we're finding, is look for those clubs where um, you find high-achieving peers. So parents – Think uh, about kind of the kinds of kids that are in these clubs and, and the mm. students should think about that as well. What we're excited about is the possibility that a, a disadvantaged kid, a kid who's low achieving, 
has a lot to gain by hanging out in clubs with kids that are high achieving. That's true, huh? Yeah. Oh, it just pushes the envelope for everybody. I, it's, I, I love that. And the idea – I had a daughter go and take debate class and it was scary. <laughs> Right, because it was a whole different group, right? But high achieving, but the most diverse group I've ever yeah. seen, and right. you know, diversity in Utah is not always hard to come by. Common, and but it was like it was interesting, and she came out, you know, more open minded for sure, uh-huh. but seriously achievement oriented. Yeah, simply because of who she was with. I think who you're hanging out with can matter. That's so a powerful. I thing. think those three things can help parents as they guide. Um, guide their 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 children, and, and I guess none of this. Because um, see, if we go back to that other list that we read before you were before you got in here, um, you know the ten things that we yeah. want our kids to have: to be a good friend, to stand up for herself, to stand up for others, to develop her own voice, to be bold, to be her own style icon, to be kind to animals, to keep prying or keep prying, keep prying, <laughs> keep trying, to dream big and work hard, and to find joy in each day. I mean, those are kind of the principles, but mm-hmm. you're finding sometimes it's just it's it's who you're with. Well, th- think about that list. I mean, this is what parents can help a child develop in the early years. But by middle school, high school, you're offering your child up to this adolescent society. Yeah. Right. And so really the way to think about it is you've got this child with these character traits, but. Um, I think what can really reinforce that is being around other kids that also have those character that's right. traits. Yeah, then you don't uh, have to fight as hard. That, that's right. I mean, um, I, I'm not saying that this is the ideal way to think about it, but um, it does help reinforce a, a child's goals and interests when they're around, um, whether it be parents, siblings, yeah. or peers that have uh, similar educational expectations as themselves. Wow. I mean, that's. I mean, it seems obvious. It does. But this is like you're saying. The, this is the this way is we argue and think right. about it, whether in academic journals or um, uh, you know around the dinner table, is we typically don't think about these more invisible aspects of, yeah. of how kids succeed and do well. And so, this is just one way to, I, I think, peel back a layer mm-hmm. on on why we're so focused on extracurricular activities and see, you know, there's benefits in ways that we're not thinking enough about. Um, let's take a break and have you stick. Stick with us. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Ben Gibbs right here from uh, Department of Sociology at Brigham Young University. By the way, Ohio State, Buckeye. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, so that says a lot. And he got there because he played in the marching band. A very popular marching band. Very popular marching band. Uh, was it, what was it, baritone, trombone? Both. Man. Both, yeah. Bad to the bone. Huge lips. Big <laughs> lips. No, that's cool. Um, We're going to take a break. Come back, learn more from Dr. Ben Gibbs about uh, your children and their extracurricular activities. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. We try to give you the tools here on the show, folks, to give you a life, you know, one that gives you a leg up so you don't have to just battle the rest of your life. Today, we've been talking about extracurricular activities for your children. 
the pros, the cons, the good, the bad. Dr. Ben Gibbs is in the house. Ohio State University graduate, Ph.D. graduate. That's right. He's a Buckeye. They're doing okay. Uh, we lost a quarterback. Lost your quarterback. Yeah, hey, 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 hey. Sports. Yeah. Get somebody out of band. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was also in the marching band, trombone player. Slash baritone. Slash baritone. Mm-hmm. He's a legend in the band world. Oh, they still talk about me. Uh, they still talk about you. He was the guy during the Stanford game, way back with John Elway, when yeah. the Stanford guy got trampled. Maybe not. You're too no, young. No. That was Berkeley. That was Berkeley. It was Stanford, wasn't it? Anyway. Stanford and Berkeley. Stanford playing Berkeley? Really? Cal State, boom, crushing a band member. See, since that day, the battle between football players and yeah. band has gone on. My people have really suffered. Your people, they're holding you back. Yeah. But Dr. Ben Gibbs, uh, he's a member of the Department of Sociology here at Brigham Young, and he has been doing um, a lot of research on extracurricular activities. Are they all they're made up to be? Yeah. And. The effect that our extracurricular activities have on us in getting in, getting our children into college. Right. And basic gist of the whole conversation, what matters maybe more than uh, the extracurricular activity are, are the groups. The, the people that they hang out with is a better driver for whether they'll go to college and how they'll do than the actual sport or activity they play. Than the type of club, yeah. That's cool. Uh, and I should acknowledge um, this work couldn't have been done without a lot of heavy lifting from Lance Erickson, Michaela Dufer in the department. Lance is the um, the heart and soul of the analysis, and Michaela really shaped our understanding of the literature. So I, I need to acknowledge that. Are they fellow co-authors. academicians? They're co-authors. Yes. They're not sure. just your grunt master students. They're not that... just my inspiration. They're my co-authors. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, and we do appreciate that. Um, talk about and again, you said it doesn't really matter the number, right? But you do believe everybody. You should try to push your kids. That sounds horrible. You should try to influence your kids to to be in something, something, right? Something um, academic related is, I think, helpful, and then most importantly, um, put them where the high achieving kids are and yeah. see if that helps them stretch a little bit. What if they think? And I've heard James say this. The, the the high achievers are geeks. Mm. James He's, said that? James says that all the time. He calls me a geek. And I think right. it's because I'm a high achiever. <laughs> he won't talk on the microphone. He's kind of mad at me. Yeah. He gets stink eye. Um, so, but it, it doesn't, what if they're like not, what if they don't relate to these guys because they're also, you know, into studies? Yeah, I, I don't know. There was an interesting study about, um, I think it was Air Force cadets. Um, where they had high-achieving Air Force cadets. I, maybe I shouldn't say Air Force. I'm not sure if it's the Air Force. Mm. I'm just going to say cadets. Just say cadets. <laughs> right. Because that I mean, maybe, yeah. Yeah, um, maybe they're, yeah, we're a cadet at a Any kid kind club. of cadet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this was in a college setting um, where they had high-achieving cadets, and, and they thought that what would be great is to um, integrate them with low-achieving cadets and, and hoping that that would improve um, the overall <laughs> scores. What they found cool was – and this was, this was on NPR um, last year. What they found was the low-achieving cadets did worse. Oh, really? Yeah. So this integration at extremes of yeah. achievement wasn't very helpful. But what they did find was when they integrated um, middle-range yeah, achievers – kind of the average achievers. With high achievers, these, this middle group – 
worked like the social glue for everybody else. Oh, they yeah, they brought the two. They right. brought the two sides together. <laughs> That's right. So you can imagine if, if you're like the sole person and you're with all this other group yeah. you don't identify with. There's real. There's not real glue there yeah. um, to kind of help you get the benefits of social capital or of all the resources you get from peers who are high achievers. So, you know, this data can't help us answer that. Right. But um, it, it's suggestive that some forms of integration with students from different backgrounds could be helpful. I just don't know that yeah. mix exactly. But are you saying then the average people yeah. are really the glue to society? Uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. And if you're an average person out there listening, ah. you're the glue. Oh, you have no idea because I am so average. That is so cool. <laughs> that's right. See, James? I told you, we can do it. You and me, pal. I, the high achiever, and you, the glue, the average achiever. Anyway, let's have James quit talking because that's just That was a rude. smart thing for him to say. It was. Uh, too bad he'll lose his job over it. Blah, blah, blah. Um, talk about – you got into this a little bit earlier about there, there tends to be this battle in especially probably your field of whether parents make the difference right. or peers make the difference. It seems like to me – I mean, my kids' peers have a lot of power that yeah. I don't have. I, I'm the one that has to buy the cell phone. Right. But my kids' friends are the ones that keep saying, dude, you need a cell phone. You know, the way I think about parents' role in all this is parents provide a foundation of possibilities. Uh, if they don't have that foundation, it limits a kid's possibilities. Yeah. So, yeah, it might be true that you can't change your friend's peer or your, your, your children's peers right. or um, your role might be diminished somewhat. Mentors start mattering more and more in terms of influencing your child. But um, I believe looking at this data, seeing how important early childhood is and how important parenting is for later life outcomes, that parents can really set the stage. That if you're a high-achieving kid at kindergarten, the chances are you're going to be a high-achieving kid eight years later. That's right. Yeah. Um, we find in, in a different um, project – that 50% of the high-achieving um, kids at school entry, at school entry. Yeah, just getting started. Are still high-achieving peers nine years later, okay. accounting for anything else you can imagine, yeah. whether that be school quality, wow. whether it be parenting quality. Yeah. There's, parent, there's things parents can do to kind of set the trajectory for their children early on. It's not just genes. So it's, but uh, right. some of it's developmental, some of it's – Developmental. Yeah. There's actual behaviors parents can engage in that sets the foundations for these attributes you're describing, mm -hmm. which then launches a child into this adolescent world that they can navigate, I think, effectively. It's and huge. so that's I, – I don't know that the dichotomy of parents versus peers is really right. that it's, instructive. No. It I think it seems like a false battle. We're that's right. I, I think it's more like um, you know, who governs a child's social world from zero to five? Mommy. Yeah, you think about yeah. the role of parents in, in shaping their, their world. It, it helps interpret their world. Uh, parents give them warmth and love and cognitive support mm -hmm. and direction. Um, all of that, I think, shapes what I call uh, a potential, yeah. um, a foundation of possibility. And with that foundation of possibility, yeah, you have to offer your kid up to this world. But parents help filter and guide. Yeah. And, and extra quick activities is just one way that parents can softly guide them oh, in directions yeah. where uh, they're in environments that are positive. Did you see any impact? I, I bet it wasn't part of your study about the parents that are too involved. Like yeah. it seems like if I force my kid into a club that he doesn't want to be into and then 
I go and I make a scene and I yeah. – it just seems like that would be counterproductive. I mean, I mean it seems like it, but did you see any data that said I, at some point parents maybe need to stay out of it? Yeah. I mean, I mean again, we don't see um, added returns to more clubs. Yeah. Um, but we don't necessarily see a negative return to more clubs. So uh, I, I don't know that there's a, a negative relationship to that. Um, I've never done a project that analyzes that, but I have read the literature. Okay. And what the literature shows, and this is actually uh, counterintuitive to this overscheduling hypothesis, that more is more um, in, in, in terms of um, academic achievement. Yeah. I mean, we're just looking at college enrollment, yeah. but um, – I don't know. It's weird. I don't. I don't really see that with the data. Probably because you don't have those extreme cases we all think about. Yeah, in right. Terms the, one, of the, the helicopter parent. Yeah, the that's dad like, getting arrested at the game. <laughs> right. Um, so I think those might be such unique cases that yeah. they don't show up in national data. But for the most part, I think the efforts parents do to guide their their children's worlds are helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I don't necessarily see so much of you. You can't parent too much. You can't schedule yeah. too much. Uh, those are subject extreme cases, but in this case, um, I don't know that you need to yeah, in no. terms of extracurricular activities. Do you see that? Does it matter if they are actually in the game? Like, what if they're <laughs> the what if they're the average or like the 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 less successful member of the tennis team? Oh yeah. Do you know where they fit in academic achievement, or is it just enough to be amongst the group of high yeah. achievers? You know, I, I wish the data were that um, specific. specific, but. Um, I, I could speculate based on what we're finding that um, if it's just any kind of club, yeah. then it's probably any kind of, um, of, of, activity, level of activity, status in that club, um, that if you account for who's in it, that's going to matter more than maybe how you do. But, that's cool. but academic, maybe there's something about academic that yeah. you get some of that. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, we're talking again with Ben Gibbs. We've got to wrap it up. But Ben, tell us in your study of what's the one thing we – parents should be remembering when it comes down to uh, let's just say our teenagers and their extracurricular what what's i guess what should we be remembering about this whole discussion um i i don't know i i think someone listening to our conversation uh, is probably listening because they want to do something positive for their child right yeah, yeah. and i think in this case uh there's some decisions parents can help a child make a, a student make um and so I think the takeaway message is uh, extracurricular activities do matter. Yeah. It's worth your time. Uh, it, it's worth thinking about. It's worth planning for it. And uh, because they matter, it's important to think about why. And if you can uh, find uh, the kinds of clubs that train your child for the academic rigors of college, I think that's uh, job number one for a parent who's considering um, helping their child pick an extracurricular activity. But then, of course, the takeaway message that we've been talking about is get to know who's on it. Yeah. Get to know who this group yeah. is that they're going to be spending some time with. And that, that might be actually something parents can actually do. I love that. And and push a little bit. I mean, maybe the child still needs some ideas yeah, and some I, motivation I, externally. As I said that, I got some creepy thoughts of like, you know, a mom looking through a roster and like, yeah. what's your GPA again? Yeah. What's G- go, hey, go find out Jimmy's GPA. <laughs> right, right. He looks like a really good potential friend right. for you. But, but maybe <laughs> so knowing true. why they matter yeah. can help inform a parent and, and maybe they're wringing their hands less about other things that probably oh, yeah. don't matter as much. Relax. Yeah. yeah. Especially the number. I think the number is what makes parents yeah. stressed out. Well, and then stressed out parents times four kids – where they're trying to push them all the way That's right. to college. Yeah. It's a hard, hard game. Well, well done, Ben. You made it. We were so worried you wouldn't make it today. Oh, I had to make it. it was, you yeah. had to make it. You had to cross campus, too. 
That's why you came in sweating <laughs> with your inhaler in hand. You know, but, my, my band training helped me with that. That's I, totally, dude. Yeah. Your lungs are huge. That's right. His name is Dr. Ben Gibbs, uh, Ohio State graduate, but uh, is currently on faculty here, associate professor at the Department of Sociology at Brigham Young University. He's going to go home to Danielle and his four daughters and get them all signed up for band. <laughs> We're out of here. We'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, the child whisperer, Dr., uh, Julie Nelson, will be joining us. Tons more here to learn. Uh, maybe now we got to learn how to separate our kids from us a little bit. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. It's not about the money. It's about love. It's all about love. It's not even about love. Julie Nelson's in the house. The bomb mom, the child whisperer, wife, mother of five children, author of Parenting with Spiritual Power. Some faculty there at Utah Valley University. She teaches classes, applied parenting and marriage and relationship skills. She runs the website, a spoonful of parenting.com. Mm-hmm. Beautiful name. Thank you. Beautiful site. Yeah, it is. So's so's your site. <laughs> I was looking at you when I said a beautiful. You have site. site envy. I totally do. Yeah. My site is needs to bring it up. My site is out of sight. I've got a <laughs> I've got a new site to be released in January. Oh, good. It's a site. I'm sure it'll blow mine out of the water. It's site tabulous. <laughs> James gave me stink eye. Did you notice that? I'm not watching James. Keep one eye on James okay, at all times. I will. Jeez. Yeah. James is making me mad today. <laughs> I need the bomb mom to help me because I'm this close to throwing my laptop over there. You know, though, James dishes it out because you dish it to him. Disheth not I. Mm. Oh, come on. That was the entire first half of the show. I you got th- your back, James. Thank Wait, you. Are you still talking? <laughs> hit that red button in front of you. Not mine, though. Don't hit mine. Don't hit mine. Hey, um... We digress. Back to you, Julie. Uh, Here's the deal. Mm -hmm. Did you hear what we were just talking about? We were talking about kids and their extracurriculars. And sometimes we hover. We're too involved. Mm -hmm. As parents, we just push, push, push all these things on them. And then they won't leave us alone. And they'll never leave our house. And they'll just come back. And they keep coming back. Yeah. And they they steal all of your top ramen. Yeah. And take it back to school. And the TP. That's what I find. I find my kids coming home and then they walk out the door with with armfuls of toilet paper. And I'm like, are you going to go do in someone's house? No, I just just need some in my apartment. See, those are the things. (laughs) That's where you say, do you remember all that toilet paper you wasted toilet papering people's houses? (laughs) They finally start to appreciate the little things I did for them all those years. So Julie, teach us. What do we need to do to make sure... Our children are independent enough Mm -hmm. to move on. Yeah. Emotional readiness is what we're going to talk about today. Um, Your guest, former guest, talked about extracurricular social, um, which can play into this because, you know, that does give them some sense of competency um, and 
uh, you know, that we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want to talk more about three ways that we can uh, create emotional, emotional independence so that when our children go to college, yes. that they thrive there. And th- let's just say that they stay. Yeah, let's just say. We, that want, they it, pass, we want them to stick. Let's say they like pass the first semester without flunking out. Yes. Because they've been so enabled yeah. and mom and dad have done everything for them yeah. that they can't survive that first semester. And they can't make rational, conscious decisions because yeah. mom's done it for them, you know. And, yeah. yeah. So, you know, here's here's what I like to look at. I have this neighbor. She raises highly independent children. And this just shows you. So her five-year-old's going to kindergarten, right? Yeah. First day of kindergarten, mom drives up to school to drop, you know, drop the car off and go walk in. She parks the car, gets out of the car, and the daughter turns around and waves goodbye to her. Bye, mom. Bye, mom. I'm and she's good. like, she's like, um, don't you want me to take you to kindergarten? And the little girl, five, there's a five-year-old. Uh, it's my class, not yours. Ooh. Go home. That's a good kid. Move along. Move along, Mom. Nothing to see here. <laughs> that is a good kid. See, that's the kind of relationship uh, we want to have at 18, yeah. where we drop them off and they're like, bye. I'm yeah. good. I'm on my own. I'm going to be just fine don't without you. Don't you need me? Don't you need yeah. me? Yeah. But parents are like, don't, don't you want me to walk in and, and hold your hand? Yeah. And t- you know, that kind of thing. We want to we want to make cool. sure our, our kids are acting like that five-year-old and we have that relationship. But how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. So let's just talk a little bit about how we do that because we don't want to have that freshman 15, the excessive partying, drinking yeah. year yeah. where it just all goes down the tubes. Yeah, totally. Um, and so we want to have uh, kids who are raised... With that feel autonomy, they yep. feel independence and emotional readiness. So first of all, let's talk about self reliance. Okay. Oh gosh, we can start from five oh. and on. Five years old and on with this. Oh. So there's not like this magical age at eighteen. We need to start doing this. This is like starting young. Yeah. You know, what um, happens if, like, James here? We we got a late start on James. Here's the thing. You can start at any age. Parent. Okay. Parents out there, start at any age. But so, I say start young. I buy my kids alarm clocks, and they get themselves up for school. Oh. I'm not going down and waking them up. Because, you know, if you do that for 18 years, they get to college, and then all of a sudden, they don't know how to wake themselves That's up. so true. Right? And they sleep through their alarms or whatever. What do you and- do? So what do you do if they sleep through their alarm every day? Because <laughs> we, we have one that does that. Yeah, then you have multiple alarms, right? Yeah, but you—they have to f- suffer the consequences yeah. of sleeping through their alarm. They—I they, mean—they've got—it's got to hurt. There's got to be some kind of pain on the other end. Tase them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to know they missed their class, and they've got to make up for it. And it's gonna, there's going to be some pain involved yeah. of what they and you and you can't save them. Uh-uh. So self-reliance. Do you, you know, does your child go like, well, I don't know how to get to the grocery store. Well, I'll drive you. No, Come they, here, baby. They, they've got to figure out how to get themselves yeah. to play. They've got to know how to ask for directions. I love it. I dropped off my nephew here at BYU. It was a couple years ago over down Helaman Halls. You know, there's a lot yeah. of dorms there. Yeah. So it's his, first, it's his first day. It's a freshman year. I drop him off the side of the curb. And he turns around to me and looks at me like, aren't you going to take me to my dorm? Like this, like this bewildered, like, where do <laughs> I go? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So I get out. I park the car, get out of the car. We haul his luggage around and find where's the office. All it was a matter of asking yeah. people where's yeah. the office to get his key to get in. But he was so bewildered by this sea of of, of dorm buildings that he couldn't navigate himself oh, yeah. to ask people. So get your kids from young age knowing how to ask directions yeah. and, and ask and if they have a problem, who to find out what about, the answers to. What if we just take them, blindfold them, mm-hmm. drop them off on a curb somewhere in the city See if they can get home. Put 20 bucks in their pocket, make it home. That would be a brilliant idea. Not even 20, Sean says. Give them 10 bucks. Yeah. 
Ten bucks and a the amazing rice. Drink. This is what you do for a family reunion. You drop them off and give them a dollar, and they have to beg for money. But you like know me. what? That's and then not they have bad. to see who can get home first. Then they earn the twenty. That's fantastic. That would be great. See, they know how, they have to learn how to navigate. It seems society. like the cops would be kind of against this. <laughs> I think at a certain age you can do this. I think you could. Kids in, in cities take subways all the time. Oh at yeah, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. It's not a big deal. They figure out how to get around, and we coddle our kids too much. Oh. We drive them everywhere. You know, we won't let them do anything. So ask yourself, parents. If what I'm doing right now, is it hurting or helping my child? Because in a year or two, my child will be doing all of this on their own. Yeah. And can they do that and survive without me? That's So great. start to wean yourself off of waking them up, fixing their lunches, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. They need to know how to budget. Shh, don't they, say that. Yes, budget. No, but no, you can say that. But I don't want my wife to quit fixing my lunch. Stop it. They need to learn how to take care of their expenditures. Yeah. you got to teach them how to do a checking system and ra- maintain a reasonable schedule up and you know to bed at a certain time. And food, nutrition. They need to know how to do all that sort of stuff on their own. I love this. So self-reliance. Parents, examine every situation with your teenager and say, now, should my child be doing this on their own? Because in a few years, they'll be on their own. They should be doing their own and laundry. Even, I mean, everything. All laundry. I gave them at 12. That's our magical age in our home is you do your own laundry. <sighs> and... Twelve, they're all doing it. Holy cow! Sean, Sean, yeah, you need to do that in your home. When, uh, when yeah. do you stop brushing their teeth? <laughs> because at some point, here, let, let's say there's some parents out there going, "I could never trust my child with the laundry. They'll do it all wrong." That's exactly why you should do it because yeah. then you can teach them how to do it right, so they're not making all those mistakes when they're out there in but college. Then your son has to wear pink. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And he'll learn. This is where they learn how to to, to learn from their mistakes yeah. when they're wearing pink. Oh, I'll never do that again. I See, mixed up the laundry. I did, you know, this is, they should make their mistakes yeah. under the roof. Because you're not giving them self-reliance if you are doing everything. You, But my wife would say, I, it's easier if I just do the laundry. Mm-hmm. Just let me do it instead of them being in my way yeah. while I'm trying to do it. Yeah, it's harder. It's harder to it's do harder this for way. Par- it always seems harder for parents, but that's part of the game. But this is this is when the price is, is small. Yeah. Do you want to pay a small price of inconvenience, yeah. takes longer, I have to teach him over and over, or do you want to pay a heavy price when you have police involved in, oh, when they're 19 and they're in college? And they won't leave your house. Or they, that one. Well, they can't because they're court-ordered. <laughs> they got an ankle. They've got an ankle bracelet. <laughs> yes. So James calls price his, do, his anklet. What do you want to, what price do you want to pay parents? That's what I And you're saying. paying now or later. Yeah, and it's a bigger, bigger one and with heavy consequences later. So put up with some inconvenience. Self-reliance. We need it. What's yeah. another one we need? Problem solving. Oh, okay, huge. so they've got to know, like my, my nephew, he's got to figure out how to, when he's in a, in a situation he doesn't know what to do, who does he ask? Yeah. Who do he talk to? And it probably shouldn't be the parent. Yeah. It, they should learn how to talk to an advisor, a friend, a teacher. Um, they know, need to know when they're f- not doing so well in high school that mom's not going to email the teacher and ask, what should my child do to bring up her grades? Or why mm-hmm. did she get a D on this paper? What did he do wrong? If there's a problem, the child should be learning yeah. how to email, talking to the teacher face-to-face. That's cool. What, what if you're yeah. seeing, and this is huge, I think, what if you start, if you see that they're not becoming self-reliant mm-hmm. or they're not becoming a problem solver, it may be telling you they have another issue, right? They may have, for example, social anxiety, mm-hmm. so they're not going to dare go ask. Yeah. So if you're not seeing progress, mm-hmm. then you might have something else you have to address. Yeah. Then we can go address that. How many times we drop them off at school and then we find out they have social anxiety or we send them in the LDS church, we send them out on a mission and they're in the middle of Hong Kong and then you realize this boy's got anxiety. Yeah. 
But so those are signs that we could be seeing if they're not progressing. Yeah. And so why not see them now rather than when they pay the price in the middle of Hong Kong? Yeah. I mean, that's a heavy price then. Let's find out now that they might. And I do. I have to acknowledge that I had a child who had that. Yeah. That she was devastated. She was like, she, you could see the anxiety creep in her face. Oh, I have to talk to my teacher uh-huh. in high school. Huh. She could, that would be the last right. thing. No, I'm going to run and hide rather That's than right. confront her with my failing grade or that I don't understand an assignment. Yeah. So I w- really would then have to do baby steps. I'd say, okay, yeah. then what we'll do is we'll go together. But we're going to have some questions we're going to write out. And you ask the question. Just look down and read them. Yeah. And I'd handhold for a while. But Love still, it. I'm trying to, to get yeah. her weaned off of yeah, me. Yeah, you're, you're pushing. But I had to do some baby stepping with her because yeah. she couldn't go by her, herself at first. Uh, we're talking with Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom from a spoonful of parenting.com. We're going to come back. She's going to continue this discussion. She's going to give us the third key. Yeah. That we need to teach our kids to be more independent, more able to move on, to fly from the nest. James, by the way, is, I think, two for two. That's why he's ready to fly. Or did your mom just push you out? No, we are his mom. You don't know, but we raised him from a pup. (laughs) We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. More uh, interesting ideas, more fun, more tools right here on the Matt Townsend Show coming up after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You can be like the cool kids. You just have to have really rich parents that give you everything, take care of you. Yeah, bring you, take you a nanny, take it to college, yeah. and your housekeeper, your doorman. That's the song that James sings every time. He wants to be like the cool kids because Sean and I have raised James. Mm-hmm, from a pup. Yeah. Julie doesn't know this. Julie Nelson's joining us from a spoonful of parenting.com. We call her the child whisperer. You don't know that we found him out. Somebody had left him at the front stoop <laughs> of the BYU Broadcasting Building. And it was the middle of a rainstorm. And we went out and there was this cute little baby. And we just picked him up. I was in a fruit basket wrapped in with a cellophane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was suffocating. Surrounded by apples yeah. and oranges. Yeah. He was yeah. hermetically sealed. Away. <laughs> So we, we've raised him to what he is now, and now it's one of those stages where we need to let him go. Yeah. But he won't go. So you're trying to teach us. How to let go. How to get him to let go. Yeah. Let go. Oh, please. I knew that was coming. <laughs> oh, turn it off. Oh. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, I hate See that. how the, it just comes like <laughs> angels brought it and dropped it right. No. Or demons. Studio. Yeah. Yeah. Angel de- demons. <laughs> so Julie K. Nelson. What else? Okay, so you've taught us we need to be we need to keep, teach our self-reliance. kids self reliance so to, they can do to, stuff they on their own. They can do their laundry. They can make their lunches. They can, you know, they know how to budget. They know they know how to you know make some basic foods. Yeah, um, they know how to ask. Sewing. Yeah, sewing. Uh, men, yeah, you know, right. if you can't sew, you can staple. <laughs> That's true. Duct tape. I'm a great stapler. Yeah, and that parents don't go in and rescue our kids. We've got to stop doing that, yeah. parents. Uh, because when they're in college, you just cannot be rescuing them uh, where they're at. Uh, they need to stand on their own two feet and figure out how to problem solve. Uh, that's our next one. Um, we talked about learning from their mistakes and not parents rescuing. Learning how to talk to adults. They know how to talk to an advisor or a counselor or a teacher um, about what's going on in their lives so that they aren't enabled by the parent who did all that for yeah. them. No, totally. Yeah. So last one, emotional health. This is the biggie. Yeah. 
Okay, because you'd mentioned, you know, kids who maybe have anxiety. You may be noticing uh-huh. they're not progressing in these areas, yeah. so it might be this third area we need to work on. Yeah, so emotional independence, emotional health is what we'll talk about it. Um, to be emotionally separated from your parents to a healthy degree means having experiences that where you're physically separated from your parents overnight, multiple times. We need to be physically separated so that they can feel comfortable being away. We have too many kids who are just devastated by homesicknesses. Oh yeah. When they're freshmen. Yeah. You know, and they they're or wherever they go. You yeah. know, let's say it's that's LDS mission in the middle of Hong Kong. Yeah. We have too many um that are gone away from the home for the first time and they don't know how to cope away from, you know, home yeah. from their comforts. And so get them away from home, I say. Get them send them to camp. Camp. Give them to camps. Boarding school. We tried to send James, James to, to a boarding, boarding school. school. Didn't work. No, mm. that's what because he's a board operator. We thought we'd send him to boarding school. <laughs> I think he does pretty well on this board. He's great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. He's great. So you know, parents look for those opportunities. I grew up with 4-H camps. We would go a whole entire week learning. This is educational, yeah. recreational stuff. Uh, Girl Scouts. You've my, got... my mom always seemed happier when I was going away on a camp. Yeah, it's good for the parents. Too. Do you think they, it they should love be you sad. more? They love you more when you come back because they remember they do like you after all. Yeah. Um, Boy Scouts, great program. What I like about these programs and school ones as well, you know, you've got your youth yeah, tour groups. Yeah, go away groups. for camp. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, like choir tours. Tour, yeah. yeah, is that you have uh, multiple leaders. You have two deep leadership at least. Yeah. So there's some safety net. I'm not an advocate of, well, then let's just have them spend the night at their friend's house. Yeah, you're you I'm not a fan that. of yeah. the overnight things because, yeah. you know, yeah, that could be soft and cuddly and fun. But there's too many um, overnights that turned into disasters because the yeah. parents are not supervising and you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And there's some risky behavior going on. Yeah. So send them to things where there's at least too deep de- uh, leadership. Yeah. Um, summer camps are great. They learn stuff. They learn competency on their own where mom's not going to come rescue. And I like a lot of these camps where they actually don't even get to take their phones with them. There are some outdoor ones. Oh, those are great. Yeah. Yeah. So How so, do they live? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. You wonder. But even with cell phones, they learn how to – mom's not going to text them every – how are you doing every hour? Oh. Separate yourself physically and emotionally from your child so that they can learn after five days and even three days on a camp, I can be okay. I don't have to talk to mom, dad every hour. Yeah. And um, those are great. Those are great things. So get over home to sicknesses. Um, but let's talk about anxiety and depression because yeah, that is a major problem. And I have sometimes a, that comes up when they're in later <sighs> teens yeah, and that's where you're I have a psychologist it. friend who works with um, – University students and the kids are just lining up. Yeah, because they're in. There's an upswing in stress in their life. Their freshman year. They, I mean, they're out of their element in an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. Probably with kids they don't know. They're learning how to navigate roommates. They don't know that whole thing. Strangers. They feel isolated, and school is just stressful. Oh yeah. So all these things are compounding, and you get psychologists and therapists that are they're just lining up. They're to the door. Their coping mechanisms are also gone. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. if you could have just watched TV and you know done played video games in high school, maybe that won't work in college if you want to actually get a grade. Mm-hmm. So you can't. Rely on uh, those. You can't rely on a coping mechanism mm-hmm. to get you through it. Yeah, absolutely. So they need to learn how to balance, have a balanced life. And, you know, the, the guest before talked about a social life. I think they learn the social skills that they can translate those social skills and being part of a group, a healthy yeah. group, and knowing how to identify good kids. So when they get to college, they can find those same quality kids, mm-hmm. not the ones that are the like, – like let's example. My daughter goes to college um, freshman year. 
There's four in the apartment. Doesn't know any of the other、uh, three. The girl in her very room that she shares the room with never slept in her bed the entire semester. Where did she sleep? Bathtub. <laughs> She fell asleep every night because she watches movies,、oh. uh, painting her nails, and eating brownies, and falls asleep in front of the TV on the couch every night. Oh, geez! So my my daughter wakes up, goes to school in the morning, comes home, and has to wake up all of her roommates. Like she's the mom <laughs> of all these girls because they don't know how to how to get them self reliance yeah. right yeah. and get to bed and、mm-hmm. go to sleep. So and- so. Try to try to get your child to recognize who are the kids who have the behaviors I want to you follow. You're not saying brownies are bad. No. Okay. I'm saying falling in front of the、sure、TV, falling asleep in front of the TV, or well, and coping and knowing how to kind of soothe yourself to、mm-hmm. sleep. Yeah. And how to do it?、Uh-huh. Not at two in the morning. Yeah, because if, her, if, her, if the other roommate had just said, "Hey, this is not right,", right. and she would have stopped the, her roommate from because it was her. It was two roommates doing it together. Yeah, and these two, of course, now no big surprises, got on academic probation after、wow. the first semester. You yeah, know, wake up call. Yeah,、um, but you need to find the 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 friend. That will lift up your behavior rather than、Huge. bring it down. They've got it, and through social activities, they can learn who are the kids who were aiming high. That's a big deal. And getting yourself in your your child in with a good roommate, yeah, if you can do that. But sometimes we can't always have well, that, that was, choice. Well, that was that was Ben Gibbs' point is、mm-hmm. it's it's really the people. It's the people they're going with and they're hanging out with.、Yeah. If they're all independent as well, they're going to learn these these behaviors. You're not. I mean. If your friends that you're rooming with don't do this,、mm-hmm. it's going to teach you we don't do this. Yeah, and so my daughter ended up going next door. I mean, it's not like yeah, the healthy know, group. The healthy group, <laughs> you know. So help、yeah. them to find who's going to raise up my behavior rather than bring it down.、Yeah. And through extracurricular social, you can learn how to do that. Now, if you have a child who, in high school, you you recognize, like you said, has anxiety, depression. Good for you that you can now identify it now.、Right. So when they go off to college, they're not having like to be、yeah. whammed with that. Yeah, because it's going to be like a whole new level、oh, of、yeah. stress there. And you can work. I mean, that's. That's what's great is、yeah. I have a child that learned it really young, kindergarten.、Mm-hmm. That's when we realized he's got social anxiety. He does not like this,、yeah. and he has his, he's had his entire life to learn adapting、yeah. skills, and so he has to anticipate a lot more, and he has to not overthink it, which is a tendency.、Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just, but it's made him independent more. So、yeah. now he can do stuff he couldn't have done before. Yeah. So you trained him from young, from from young time, yeah, young, yeah, many、uh, years you've had to teach him so that it's no big surprises when he gets to stressful、uh-huh. situations in college. Now, if kids have been coddled, if they've had everything done、yeah. for them, they get to college, stress happens. Then all of a sudden, wham!、Kaboom. They're going to alcohol, they're、yeah. going into sexual brownies, brownies, movies all、yeah. night long, sleeping on the couch. And so, good for you if you recognize、sure. some of these things early.、Um, and so. Make sure that when they get to college, that you have some way to maintain that、yeah. mental health program. Well, and be checking in. I mean, check in with them. Check、uh-huh. in on that.、Mm-hmm. Check in on their coping mechanism.、Mm-hmm. Not. Yeah. You don't have to check in on everything else. Yeah. Let and, them manage that. And、life. and and help them to know that there are resources to go to should they get to college and find because of this new environment, isolation, depression happens. Yeah.、Um, that there are places to go,、um, so that they don't、uh, fall on their face. Um, because they don't know what's going on with them. I mean, that's twenty percent of the population.、Mm-hmm. So, you're going to either have a roommate with that, or you are the roommate with that,、mm-hmm. and it's not a reason to coddle them.、Mm-hmm. You coddle someone with anxiety and depression.、Mm-hmm. I guess you're preventing them from experiencing the world, which I、yeah. you think is a good idea. Yeah. 
But eventually they're going to have to experience right. the world. Right. And so my friend, uh, she wrote a book about this and she said, you know, she the way she coped with her depression was she just slept everywhere. And if we have a roommate who notices someone who's sleeping yeah. all the time, yeah. that's a little warning sign. Help yeah. your roommate. Get them some resources um, because that's a way of just kind of checking out. Right. She just felt so good just to sleep all the well, time. And what a great way for you to learn. I mean, this could very well be your spouse. Mm-hmm. In five years, you know, somebody that has the same behavior traits. So this is how you also learn to adapt to other people that haven't learned to adapt. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Great, great, great point. Yeah, so mental health is a big issue on college campuses. Yeah. Um, And so not just behavior, you know, not just risky behaviors where you're out smoking, drinking, you know, and doing drugs all night. Brownie and all night long, uh, you know. So you don't have just that, but you also have mental health. So we want to talk about emotional issues today, and that's when I think the critical keys is we want to say that in this upswing of stress, of isolation, that we make sure we monitor and treat any kind of mental health oh, issues yeah. that might arise during during college years. And, and we we as a society aren't very good at that. No. So all of a and sudden we, we hear about it. yeah we hear some horrible story where someone with a mental illness. Goes off and creates Rampage. chaos. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But th- that there were signs in high school and in college, and yeah. So be open, talk about it, talk <laughs> about it in others. And last point is is yeah. that with emotional health, that leading a well balanced life really helps with emotional readiness and, and health. So parents don't just um, overemphasize grades. Right. Every time you talk to your child when they're in college or even in high school, don't just always ask, "Well, how's great? How's your grades?" Yeah, you know. And then their whole self esteem is linked to no, their grades. Right. They have another part of them yeah. that is uh, needs to be nourished. There's the social aspect. There's Friends, a spiritual social. aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to church? Physical, what you physical aspect. On? So make sure that you don't just overemphasize grades to the point where that's where your child's self-worth is. And if yeah. they're not, if they do poorly on a grade, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, mom and dad's going to kill me. Yeah. I'm not any good. I'm a loser. And so make sure that you bring, you know, don't overlook the key personal traits of perseverance, of being a good friend, of working hard, of having fun, those types of things. Ask other questions Love so that. that the mental health and the emotional well-being is there and it's not just great oriented, which is GPA is yeah. all, it's all about GPA. It and, is. And, but yeah. honestly... The GPA won't save your soul. No. And in fact, studies show that the, the people who survive and thrive, actually thrive and do better in college are not those who are intellectually smart. Believe me. Believe, Believe me. Believe me. I know yes, this. Yes. Yes. It's those who have more executive function, who have the emotional intelligence. And are ripped like me. <laughs> Those who know. Why are you laughing? Those so they had know themselves to be of worth and yeah. know how to recognize that. that they're, they're well-rounded. They're uh-huh. healthy, physically, socially, spiritually. And they have social skills. Mm. Those are the ones that do well. Julie, yeah. you did it again. Yeah. I feel a lot better about James now. I feel a lot better about his readiness for college. I don't think he's as messed up as I thought he was. I think we can send him off. He's, he might get married. Is he still dating that one girl? Malele. How exciting. They're a cute couple. Yeah. Seriously. Rhoda. Rhoda. Yeah, we've started a Kickstarter fund, actually. We're, we're trying to raise meeting. money for his wedding. <laughs> we're also trying to do an Adopt James fund. I think if you identified her name, her actual name, you'd get more money. Yeah. It's Mohana. <laughs> I like Rhoda. No, it's got to be an M. Oh, okay. Because I'm pretty sure it starts with an M. We're going to take a break, my friends. Come back. Uh, more with Julie K. Nelson from a spoonful of parenting.com. When we come back, Alyssa is going to help us wrap it up. Lessons that sports teach us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends. We're wrapping up the show. Today we've been talking about just, what do you want to call it, extracurricular activities. We're trying to make our kids healthy, strong, and in reality, sometimes we're hurting them, sometimes we're helping them. We hope you've learned a lot. Man, Julie K. Nelson still in the house. Spoonfulofparenting.com. Go check out her website. She blogs. She's she's a guru. A Basically. Gu- you're a guru. <laughs> I'm the patron saint of parenting. Wow. That's another one you could say. Patron saint of parenting. Write that down. Um, also in the house is Alyssa, who's the patron saint of sports. There you go. Is that what you are, Alyssa? That's me. Um, you're going to tell us why sports matters because some people don't know this, but you are doing broadcasting because you want to be a sportscaster. I do. Yes. You do. So sports are pretty important in my life. I can't imagine marrying a man who doesn't like sports. Really? Let's put it. That so way. on the first date, you better ask that question straight up. No, you know <laughs> what she just does. Put it up. First thing she does so... is leg wrestle. I want to leg wrestle, and she'll wrestle legs. That's and always if they the can't... first date. <laughs> but sadly, she dominates. So every first date, I'm a they're already now. they're beaten down. So... <laughs> uh, I hope that wasn't offensive. No, no. So why do sports matter? Uh, you probably played. You must have played sports. I did. I was a hurdler. And so, say that again. I I hurdled. Instead of hurling, she hurdled. Yeah. Right. Because let's make sure that we're clear. Hurdling is different than hurling. Yes. Okay. Hurdled. There's a D. You hurdled. And um, what? what's the big deal? Why does that the matter? The big deal. Okay. So the first big deal is you learn how to be on a team. Yes. And it's so cliche, but you're on teams for your whole life. And you need to learn how to deal with people and how to support others and how to be part of a team that's contributing and not just all about yourself. Yep. And, you know, be happy for other people when they succeed, not sad that they did and you didn't. I like that. Absolutely. And that's all part of being on a team. That's right. And that's part of, you know, that's growing up. Right. Exactly. And also having people on your team that you don't get along with so well and you're like, okay, but I'm not going to take offense because we still have to work together. Right. right. And right. I'm learning how who I don't want to be in life. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's one reason. Right, right. Another reason. Um, the other reason cool is – Cool outfits. Yeah, cool outfits. That was probably number one, but we tried to make it number two. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Black is always more intimidating, uh, Do say. hurdlers have great outfits? Well, I, I'm not really familiar with the hurdling outfit. I mean, they're pretty skimpy outfits. It's just track. Yeah. Track yeah. outfits. Except I heard you always wore um, like antlers. <laughs> it was like a headset with antlers. <laughs> Why? Just because so, you wanted to like prance like a gazelle. Oh, yeah. I was a gazelle every time. Get me my, my <laughs> antlers, mom. <laughs> now you have to explain that. I yeah. can't run without my antlers. I can't do it. It's like no spikes, no antlers, no running. I just think that's cool. If you're going to run track, you got to run like a gazelle. Right. Antlers. That would be I more the, the, high, the high jumpers would wear the antlers. You're not the high jump. This is this is straight no. on as fast as you can over hurdles. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you don't want to jump high. Yeah, that's exactly. like a gazelle running through the Serengeti. Exactly. I've done that. Wow. She yeah. was the be the gazelle. Right. Yeah. yeah. Be Visual. the gazelle. Be the gazelle. That was my mantra. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so keep going, Alyssa. Okay. We don't want to um, You it. learn how to work because you have more practices than you do games. Yes. And 
sometimes more losses than you do wins. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is the tough reality. And you have to learn how to keep working after you lose. Can't give up. Yeah. Because you always happen to have the coach that wants you to work harder after the loss when you don't feel like working hard. Yeah. Which is really good. Good mm-hmm. to learn. Um, and you also learn how to win and how to lose, mm-hmm. how to fail. Yeah, to be a good and how winner. to clap the other teammates yeah. hey. or the other team's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Not put your ha- hand down. Yeah, mm-hmm. show class. <laughs> That's happened to me. Yeah, has it really? Yeah, people don't clap me after maybe after the game. Sometimes is it? Maybe it's maybe it's the antlers. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They they're intimidating. <laughs> they're like that girl's got antlers. Yeah, seems creepy. Something about those antlers. That's good that you teach how to win properly. Right. How to not gloat. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Anything else? Um, another one is you learn how to be a leader. Yeah, that's true. You know, the team captains, they, they kind of want you to step up, be on time, yeah. uh, have a good attitude, show them what it's all about, show the team what it's all about. Yes. And everyone just got really distracted. <laughs> well, Sean just walked in with a pumpkin pie. I was wondering uh, if he's going to put pie in the face yeah. of, of Matt. Mm. No pie in the face? Is that a Costco pie? This is worth it. Worth it. Work is worth it. Well, let's wrap up the show. This is a great <laughs> show, everybody. Uh, tomorrow we got another show. We got another one after that. But who cares? We got pumpkin pie in the house. Pumpkin pie in the house. Alyssa, you're not done, are you? Yeah, Sean? Yeah, she is. No. She's done. She, I don't know if she's officially done. My wife felt sorry for you yesterday. You said they, they took, they took the pies. Pie. I love your wife. That sounds strange. <laughs> But I mean it from my bottom of my heart. Okay, we're going to – Alyssa, you got to wrap it up. What, give us your one thing we need to remember about sports and why they're so so valuable. Well, okay. One important thing is they help you feel of your own self-worth. It's true. They give, because you're contributing to the team, you're encouraged by your teammates, and so you, you really grow as an individual as so well. And you find out who you are. Yeah. Leave it on the field, and then you find out who you are. Leave it all out on the field. Alyssa, you did it. Wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate it. And next time, let's do it without the headgear. Yeah, that's the goal. Well done. <laughs> and for the patron saint of parenting, Julie K. Nelson, thank you. You're welcome. Glad you, to be here again. Are you going to stick around for some pie? I absolutely am. Yummy! Hey, folks, uh, here's a quote from the Dalai Lama. We must each lead a way of life with self-awareness and compassion to do as much as we can. Then whatever happens, we will have no regrets. The Dalai Lama. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the the uh, threats to marriage and the threats we tend to overlook, those little things that uh, we might not be paying attention to. Clinical psychologist Kelly Flanagan will be on tomorrow to help us understand more about how to protect our marriages. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, stay strong and uh, hope to uh, talk with you tomorrow. Take care.